everybody, and welcome to In the Numbers podcast. I am your host, Jarvis Hall, director of the East Metro STEAM Partnership. We are excited to be here with you today. Today's number is 89,421. That's 89,421. Why that number is the number of the day you ask? That is because it is the average base salary for an engineer in the Portland metropolitan area, according to our good buddies over at indeed.com. And of course, if we're gonna talk about engineering salaries, we gotta talk about the folks who are actually engineers and who are supporting engineers. And we are going to be having two guests today, which is exciting. You get a two for one here today. We are gonna be bringing in Brian Hall and, and Kent Mertillion, did I say it right? Of NSBE, the National Society of Black Engineers. This is the Portland chapter. And everybody give them a big round of applause. We're gonna go uh, three screens wide and bring, all, bring them both in. How are you gentlemen doing today? Doing, doing good. You're doing good. So you, you all are joining me. Uh, for the folks at home don't know, it's a Friday that we're recording this. So anybody that, that, that comes and reports on a Friday, they get a, they get a special gift uh, because, I mean, who, who, who likes to do stuff on Fridays? This is usually the, the sneak out of the office day. But I, I'm glad both of you are with me today to uh, talk about some cool engineering stuff. Thanks for having us. Yeah, def now, definitely. Now, now I do realize uh, now you're gonna have to poke some fun at uh, at my fraternity brother Corey Frazier. He, he did not uh, get a chance to come on uh, today, but I understand uh, Kent's gonna go hang out with him later. So so poke him a little bit for me and, and tell him Jarvez is gonna be in contact and we got to get him on the podcast too at some point. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I'm gonna try my best to beat him at Super Smash Brothers just for you. Uh, you know, I appreciate that. You know, we're looking at doing some some gaming initiatives too with some of our our young people out in East County, and uh, he was really jazzed up about Super Smash Brothers, and I had to let them let him know. Said Corey, it's for the kids. You can't be playing the game. Uh, I recently got back into gaming uh, now that I got a PS5, and I realized that I'm see my last system was a PS3, okay. and. You know, I've, I've, I've missed a whole generation, which means I'm terrible at gaming. So I went and got, you know, NBA 2K thinking I was going to play with these young folks. And I'm going in the city getting cursed out by like 12 year olds uh, <laughs> because I'm missing jump shots and all kind of other stuff. I'm like, I, I'm used to NBA Jam. This is y'all made this too technical for me. I, I mean, man. Yo, I'm struggling too playing video games myself. Not going to lie. Don't feel bad. Uh, the only game system that I own is a, the original Wii. And I did Steam and I stopped because I'd be busy. Now, now, when I get a chance, if I get a, get a hold of some games on Steam, because I'm more into the platformers, the Metrovanias, that's my stuff. Okay, I, I do that. But, but now, sometimes when I be seeing people with that Oculus and the Wii U and the, the other stuff, they be making me feel old and crusty. Oh, they do. Hey, they want to get a workout, play that, uh, you know, get that Mike Tyson punch out on the Wii. Mm. You know, or that, uh, or that Street Fighter, I think they got Street Fighter 4 or 5 on the Wii. Hey, I, I did that. I was like, man, this, this is a workout. I, they didn't make this for Big Brothers. This is, this is not cool. Like, my goodness. <laughs> Well, let, let's go into a little bit before we have too much fun mm -hmm. uh, uh, talk about gaming. And then uh, later on, Ken's going to tell us about the new car he's about to get. Uh, uh, why don't you first tell us a little bit about yourself? We'll start with, with, with Brian first. Uh, just let folks know uh, just kind of about yourself, about your career path, and then, uh, you know, your role in Nesby, and then uh, Ken can follow. And then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Nesby and then come back to your personal stuff. I'm always into uh, how how folks got here, and we like to let our our listeners know about that as well. But uh, but Brian, you go ahead and start us out. All right. So greetings. I am about to be Dr. Brian Hall because I'm working Hello. on my PhD, my Doctor of Philosophy in Computer Engineering from Iowa State University. I am currently 
a software quality engineer at Intel, which means it's my job to make sure that that software is legal and functional and secure. So no bootleg broken software coming out the house with my name on it. That's what we working on. And what I'm doing with Nedsby, Nedsby is the National Society of Black Engineers. I'm helping to fulfill the mission, which is to increase the number of culturally responsible Black engineers who excel academically, succeed professionally, and positively impact the community. That is a very beautiful and elaborate way of saying, I am my brothers and sisters keeper. And what I'm doing is helping people to actually learn the value of the sciences, the technologies, the engineering, and the mathematics, show them how to get in, how to succeed, and how to lift up the future generations with these wonderful disciplines that we have. Now, can't you go out to work hard to follow that up? You know, he, he had me going. I, I, was, I was ready to say CMB. We all we got. You know, he, he, had, he, had me, he had me jazzed on that one. So what, yeah. you, what, what you got for us, Kent? I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I can never beat Brian on that because he's like a part-time preacher. So he's always winning. <laughs> but I am Kent uh, Mertillion. I'm first-generation Haitian-American. I uh, originally from Miami, Florida. Grew up in Florida my entire life. Um, Went to University of Central Florida and also attended Arizona State University for my degree in electrical engineering. Uh, so I have like about over uh, eight years of engineering experience. Um, I worked in the uh, space launch ground support equipment, designing ground support equipment for space launch facilities out in Florida. Um, my first actual job in engineering was working in the mining industry. It was like open pit mine in the middle of nowhere, Arizona, um, small town called Marinci. Arizona and wow, it was weird, <laughs> but it was a good experience. Uh, and now I'm working in the semiconductor industry, similar to Brian. I'm a, I'm a product development engineer at Intel. Um, basically, I create the tests um, that checks microprocessors for defects prior to going through high volume manufacturing using uh, this logic called scan. And I do, I can, I'm own the uh, scan graphics side. So I'm working on multiple product lines uh, for Intel, helping them make billions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. and, but what's what's up? So in other words, what y'all telling me is y'all get to do some really cool stuff. Oh yeah, and definitely. Man, I and you know, hopefully y'all can tell us a little bit more about the cool stuff that you do. Now, one of my other fraternity brothers, I don't know if you all might know him. Uh, Chris Amwakusi, uh, he he always he's at Intel, but he always you know he's always working on these top secret things that he can't tell anybody about, you know. And if he didn't have a plane, I would I would swear he probably didn't work for Intel. But uh, I know he's over there making making big money, but he can never tell us what he's doing. And so uh, it's always cool to, to to really see folks. And a lot of times, folks ask me, "Oh man." You know, we can't we can't talk to any black engineers. I'm like, did you talk to Nesby? It's like Nesby, like you might want to call them. That's where a lot of black engineers are at. You hang out with them. Uh, because they they have it going on. See, I was exposed to Nesby all the way back in, in my undergrad. Uh, uh, a lot of folks were uh actually the, the the which is sad, the reason why most folks were interested in Nesby was because the conference was always cool every year, the uh the national conference. And uh, our school would send us out there. I went to Oregon State. We're kind of the, the engineering school out here. And so we had a, we had a, a thriving Nesby chapter. Uh, Jesse Jackson, uh, who was in construction engineering management, was, our, was the president at the time as our, at, our, at our undergrad spot. We're always going to the Nesby conference. That was, that was where it was at. Um, I would go, because I was a business person, I would go to like the black NBA conference. That one was cool, don't get me wrong. But it was it was never like like Nesby. Uh, so what? Not just necessarily what you all do, which, which is really cool, but what made you want to get into engineering? What made you say, you know what, I'm gonna be an engineer? So I'll answer that in two ways. I'm 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 going to how can I say this? Be a bit more transparent than I normally would be uh, in public spaces. But growing but up, ahead. it's just us talking. <laughs> it's just up, us and the hundreds of people listening later. Don't even worry about it. Nobody's yeah. in here. It's just us. 
growing up, I struggled a lot with my masculinity. And I was stopping and thinking, wow. So if I'm if I'm going to do something manly, what's the manliest looking degree I can get? And, and my thought was, okay, engineering sure does sound, that, that should have sound manly. If I tell everybody, yeah, I'm an engineer, yeah, that, that sounds manly. No shade to the sisters in engineering. We need y'all, we welcome y'all. So for y'all listening, we welcome y'all. Come up in here, we need y'all. But the thing that I was looking at was, it's like, okay, how do I do this? The second thing that, that really helped me get into this was family exposure. Um, my mom was working in engineering technology for over like 16 years, but she didn't have an engineering title role. So she would literally come home with um, the motherboards and, the, and the, the, the wafer, the capacitors, and would actually solder these things. She would build computers from scratch. And I remember I walked into her bedroom one day and I was like, I saw her, she, she had the whole thing set up and she was putting, she was about to put the final casing on and get ready to power it up. I'm like, oh, wow, we got a new computer. She said, no, nah, son, the same for you. I said, well, mama, can I get a new computer? She said, I'll make a deal for you. If you program it, I will build you one. I said, deal. She kicked everybody out of the kitchen. She, she got that smock. She got the whole thing set up and she turned the kitchen table into a lab and she constructed a beautiful tower computer. And she said, all right, I held up my end of the bargain. Now it's your turn. Okay. Yeah. And you're, you're muted, John. That, you. <laughs> yeah, you're on mute. It's like, Bob, uh, that's, that's like the theme of the year. Uh, I'm going to start asking Kent the questions, Frank. Brian, why are you coming with some real... <laughs> Stories out here. He got, he's got some tear jackers. He got mama kicking everybody out the kitchen. You know, we can't get no greens or nothing now because you got to build the computer. People mad at you. You don't hurry up and build this computer so we can get something to eat. That's all I'd be thinking if I was your brother. That's what I'd have been like, man, we, we can't even get no black eyed peas because he over here trying to build this computer. Um, and that's what I really wish. And that's why I was disappointed. Like, you know, there's no Radio Shack and, and things like that because used to have to put, even your toys used to have to put together a little bit. If you got a, a, a remote control car, you had to put the car together first before, you know, you did it. Now it's just like everything is plug and go. And if it breaks, you have to throw it away. You can't really fix stuff anymore. Uh, you don't see a, a, a lot of that. See, my mom was a little bit different. I got a computer when I was 10 years old and uh, it was an old DOS base computer. Uh, and, you know, I get to high school and I'm like, mom, I need a new computer. He's like, boy, ain't nothing wrong with that computer. I got you in there six years ago. I'm like, it doesn't have a hard drive. Yeah, the man at the store said, just put a hard drive in it. And it'll work just fine like any of them other ones. I'm like, but this, this, you don't understand. Like, it doesn't have the capacity to actually function. Boy, that's a good computer. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Now, we still had the old floor model TVs and and all that stuff. My, that's how my mom was with technology. She was like, the, the old stuff worked just fine. Uh, keep working it. Like, you realize I have no applications on this. I don't care about no application. You get to take an application for a job if you need one. That's how my mom was. She was, she was wild like that. But Ken, what you got? How did you, how did you get into to engineering? Did, did, did mama throw you into it? Or did you, you know, did, did... <laughs> So uh, I, I want, you know, I, I say I'm Haitian, so I'm first generation American. And when you're from Haiti or, and your parents come here, they give you like three options. You're going to be a doctor, lawyer, or engineer. And you, basically you got to pick one. And for me, I was like thinking to myself in third grade, I had like a whole game planned out on what I'm going to do. I was like, all right, when I go to high school, I'm going to start wrestling because my friend was a wrestler in high school. And um, I'm a joint band and play a baritone because I, my, my, one of my buddies, he was a baritone player at high school. And then when I go to college, I'm gonna go to UF because it's the University of Florida and that's my brother's dream college. He was like four or five years older than me and that's the college he wanted to go to. And I'm gonna be an engineer uh, because I love math. And hey, I have three options. <laughs> but 
what I started realizing is that uh, tech actually really, I was really fond in technology. And I was really fond in the space launch industry. Um, so like being able to actually watch rockets launch and see that from like being in Orlando when I moved there, it was pretty cool and pretty awesome. So like, I think it, like it really solidified that like engineering was for me when like I started out in my engineering classes and was really learning and getting deep in debt with my courses. Um, I mean, there are some times when I felt down and I questioned myself where like, is engineering truly um, something I should pursue when I was struggling with the course? And that's where I like, actually the opportunity of joining Nesby opened up because I started realizing that um, for me to really be able to stay with it, I need the core friends around me to support me and to be able to study with. So it's, it's pretty long-winded question answer and I'm sort of deviating from the answer, but I would say like, for one thing, when you have a dream and have a passion uh, to pursue something, you need the right people around you to support you. And that's what Nesby played a, a, a very important role for me um, in pursuing that dream. Great, because today's episode of the, of the In The Numbers podcast is sponsored by the East Metro STEAM Partnership. Uh, the East Metro STEAM Partnership is currently has openings for dedicated professionals who are interested in providing, uh, who are interested in ensuring uh, that the East Metro community has equitable access to STEM and STEAM learning then you are welcome to join the leadership team at East Metro STEAM Partnership, as well as action uh, teams. So we have two areas available for leadership, action teams and leadership teams. And feel free to go to our website, eastmetrosteam.org. That is eastmetrosteam.org to learn more. Now, I wanted to come back to, to that piece uh, that you were bringing up, Kent, especially because there, there are a lot of folks who, uh, and they've talked to me about some of these that, that may feel that especially uh, uh, black students and other uh, students of color feel like there isn't a place for them in engineering. And as much as I love my alma mater and still do at, at Oregon State, a lot of the engineering programs uh, tend to be at, competitive environments where they kind of pit folks against each other and say they're only going to keep the top certain percentage and and things like that and they just and not only that also when folks are, are talking to academic advisors either in college or even in high school when they mention that they're interested in engineering you know folks give them well you know maybe you should try something a, a little bit you know more your speed or more your style or stuff like that. Like, what what would you what would you say to those folks that are going through that? And 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 if and if Nesby helped with that, would you feel free to drop that in as well? Yeah. So that's definitely something I felt that way um, when I was um, specifically in undergrad, where I felt like I was competing a lot with my peers uh, because everyone was always like talking about, oh yeah, I got a. 90% of this test, what'd you get? Oh, I got a 75. Oh, you ain't that smart. You struggling a little bit, you know? So like with Nesby, how it helped me was basically, I didn't even realize it, but sometimes when you look around you, there's maybe like three black students in a classroom going to UCF, maybe five, sometimes 10, but it's a classroom full of like, maybe at, at most like uh, around like 50 students. Um, so for me, uh, what, what I had to do is I had to form study groups, especially around classes that I struggled in. And I did those because um, there's a lot of things that other people know that you don't know, or things that you know that they don't know. So uh, for instance, it was like my semiconductor uh, class. Like uh, there was like some theory-based stuff that he was talking about that was just like over my head. And then when I start like going to someone 
who took a, uh, a course previous to it that is actually more similar and related to the semiconductor class that I took. Um, or that I'm actually, I'm currently taking. Um, they're actually able to share some of the learnings that they had from that previous class so that um, I can actually be able to understand a lot of the things they're referring to. Um, I know there's like steps where you have to take a certain prerequisites, but sometimes people take more than necessary, which is what he did. So there's like things like that, that I've learned from other people as far as like tutoring goes, and as far as like, um, you know, forming that little village, I like to call it, um, where we're able to talk about our struggles and we're able to connect with each other um, and study on the um, those things that we're trying to get done, you know, for it so we can pass our classes. Um, and then just opening up to that too, like when it comes to like forming that village and making you feel connected in college, uh, the most important thing that I've found is that you sort of want to be able to hang out with people who you can relate to. Um, so that's where I found Nesbia to be very important because even though I went to like a school, UCF, that was pretty diverse, but this College of Engineering wasn't as diverse as I would like it to be. So that Nesby sort of helped bridge that gap for me. Um, so I felt more welcome. Great, and soon to be Dr. Brian, your, 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 your thoughts on that? So um, I, I'll, I'll answer it straight, and then I'll give you a little bit of history of, of where I went with that. Um, That's going to be one of those good stories. I need to know if I need to get some popcorn and stuff ready to go. Get, this, get this, you some this, popcorn. Get, okay, get, get, get some popcorn. popcorn. Okay. okay, so so here's, here's the thing. Um, so, so the key thing is for any students who are interested in going into an engineering or STEM discipline and who doesn't know or who doesn't have this community yet, because NSBE is a wonderful community, but it's not everywhere yet. And, and sometimes you have to be the person who builds that. So my first piece of advice would be, if you're currently at a university and you're struggling, um, check and see what tutoring and stuff is available at all. Because sometimes you'll have, um, sometimes your university will actually have like paid tutoring sessions or paid tutor sponsors or folks who can actually help you get up to speed. Um, and then start to build that community if it's not already there. Also, um, if, if, if necessary, if there's absolutely no NSBE presence or, or no NSBE chapter already present, there's usually a, another collegiate chapter somewhere nearby who might be willing to come and help you. You can build your community even if you got to go off campus to do so. So I wanted to start off with that so that I could go and kind of lay the foundation for what I ended up having to do. For me, in undergrad, physics was my bugaboo. And grad school, algorithms was my bugaboo. But here's what happened. Um, at, at my undergrad alma mater, uh, University of North Texas, there were some teachers who I found out actually got paid a bonus to scare students away. Now, did they change that? Hopefully. Is that still there? Not trying to throw shade at anybody because I know it's public. But it was a big deal because there you had what they call weed out classes. So the thing I look at is it's like, okay, first of all, when I was there, the few of us who were diverse, black, Latino, you know, any, 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 any person of color, it's like, okay, some of us walked in a room with programming experience, with development experience, with engineering experience from home. But there were some who were like, I don't know what I wanna do. Maybe I might wanna try engineering. Let's see what it's like. And it's like, okay, the people who were like, I want to try engineering, they got scared away. And I was like, there were people who were told, you know, um, this maybe is it for you. So make this exam hard, make this exam difficult, do this, do that. The people who are really serious are willing to take this class twice, or the people who are really serious are really going to go and do these things. And it's like, okay, 
that's that's not good for the people who don't know, the people who don't understand. So here's one of the things I had to learn. See, when I was just starting out, Nesby was not strong at that university yet. It was literally the electrical engineers club and I was computer science. So since I was computer science, there wasn't really anything Nesby like outside of the electrical engineering department. And so when I was looking, I was thinking, okay, I'm not getting this coding. I want to get this coding, but I don't, I don't exactly get it. So let me build my, 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 let me build my network. And I ran into some similar competition to what Kent was talking about. But sometimes they get a little cut through with that competition. Mm, only one of us could be on top. And that's gonna be me. So I'm gonna have to, you know, I'm gonna have to let you let you let you fail. So I'm like, uh no, ain't nobody got time for that. Then you got the cheetahs. The people who got like 150 something students who got all the answers, all the labs, all the stuff, they got it in a spreadsheet and they pass it to each other for years, cheating on everything and had the nerve to get mad when they make a 96 because they didn't know how to copy all the answers right and had the nerve to actually pop an attitude. Give me back my four points. Like, I got a 12 and I studied all night. I fought for my 12. Dude, when I normally, you know, cause growing up, you know, I would get a whooping if I, if I got anything lower than a B, I got in trouble. You know what I'm saying? Cause you know, my parents set the bar high. Excellence is the minimum. Excellence is the standard. You ain't coming home with less than excellence. While I was going through it, I wasn't really enjoying it, but looking back, I really appreciate it. But, but when I stop and I tell you, I had to take this physics exam, calculus-based physics exam. I left my calculator at home and I had to do all them integrations with pencils and paper. And I made a C without the answer C. I was proud of my C. Now, why, why did I bring this up? Because in order to even get that C, I had to build my community. And not everyone in my community looked like me, but I'm glad that I was able to get a community, you know? I found some engineers who were willing to study with me all the way till one, two, three o'clock in the morning. I went and got the cookies. They went and got the juice and we turned around, we got the book and we got it together. And the beauty of Nesby is that it's a greater community that makes it easier to make stuff like that happen. So now there's even torch hours. This is like something that's naturally sponsored where, where you have study tables where the chapters actually form this and, and they, they get everybody together, we study, we look at everything, we put the notes together. Well, the beauty is because NISBE is worldwide, you, if you find that you're in a situation where you need study support, you have a way to contact other chapters who can help you build the community on your campus if you don't have it. So, for those who are telling you, for those talking to the students, for those who are telling you that you're not smart enough, recognize that they don't know the capacity of what you can do. If you choose to walk away from engineering, my hope is that you walk towards something that is truly in your passion, something that your heart is set on and not just what's easy. Because what's easy is not always what's best. What you want to do is get the help. If you wish to be an engineer and you're not an engineer, don't let nobody tell you you're not smart. Don't, don't believe it in your mind that you're not smart. Don't believe that, okay? What you, what you have to do is you have to identify what you need and get what you need. For me, I didn't understand physics, so let me find a physics expert. I, if I don't understand algorithms, let me find an algorithm. Somebody at this school made an A. Somebody at this school knows how to do it. There are too many doctors here for everybody to be flunking. So somebody got the help. I'm going to do what I got to do to get what I need to get because I came here for a degree and I'm leaving with that degree. And you ain't going to tell me I can't have it. So don't let nobody scare you out of what you came out with. Side note, there is also a way for you to get that degree without walking out with millions of dollars of debt too. More on that later on. That's a I want to hear that part. <laughs> now, of course, I would have loved to hear that before I went, you know, <laughs> thousands and thousands and <laughs> thousands of dollars. And I, I got so much student loan debt, I have to laugh whenever I see it, uh, see the bill come in. People are like, man, you owe that much? I just start laughing. I'm like, hey, they think they're going to get this. 
<laughs> they're not about to get it. But uh, no, I really appreciate you you saying that, and and I think that's important, especially for our, our high school and our and our middle school kids. You have to believe in yourself first before anything, and make these folks teach you something. Go up in your class, challenge your teacher. You know, it's okay. You know, some folks, oh, I'm too cool. I ain't gonna say nothing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, you know, Mr. Smooth Cat, you know, and whatever else. Hey man, you better go up in there to study hall and, and ask them to help you with some stuff. Better go in there to the teacher and say, hey, can you stay after school till I till I learn some stuff? That was my my problem with with calculus. I used to have that even in uh, middle school. I had have like all A's and then calculus I had like a, a D. In in college, it was so hard. Uh, I was in business. We had a business calculus class, and I took it like three times, and I barely got a C minus that third time. And I think he only gave it to me because I kept going to office hours, getting on his nerves. Uh, but I'm like, you know, I, I, I can't, I, I can't figure out this these derivatives. You have to teach me how to how to learn something about this, man. I like, I'm paying too much money for you not to teach me something. And you know, it's, it's really important for folks to hear that. You know, it really starts in from yourself. But what would you say to some of these teachers? Because these teachers are really, uh, really impacting a lot of these students' lives. And I know for myself, I was an athlete. And I always say I, I was on the football team at Oregon State. You know, I never say I played football because, you know, as a, for legal purposes, I can't say I played because I never got on the field. But I was on the team. And so many of the academic advisors and things like that, you know, even when I told them at the time I wanted to be in business, they're like, oh, no, that's too hard. You got to you got to be in something else. Um, you know, you if you want to be an engineer, you have to fight. We only had a couple of guys. On the, on the football team that would even let be engineers. And if you were really good, they wouldn't let, even though they couldn't necessarily make you do something else, but they had ways of being like, hey, if you major in that, you ain't gonna play kind of stuff. Um, you know, what would you say to those, to those teachers, to the, you know, the, the other educators, the paraeducators, the folks who are in the after school programs and things like that, you know, what would you say to them you know, when, when, a, when a young person comes to them and says, hey, I, I, I'm thinking about being an engineer. Wow. You know, the first thing I think comes to mind is like two things. Uh, the best managers I've ever had are the ones that have empathy. Because, um, and they're, they're the ones that typically have kids so they understand the type of struggle people are going through. And everyone in life is always going through a different struggle. So it's like you, what they need to do, start putting, uh, their, um, putting their feet inside their shoes, those other students' shoes that are like going through a struggle so they actually can understand why they're struggling and what they're struggling in. I mean, there's some students in college who are homeless. I, I, was, uh, I was at Afrotech in 2019, and it's just outrageous that in the Bay Area, students are and actually working professionals too are living in tents imagine going through college your teacher is like trying to kill you take you out basically try and flunk you and you're living in a tent just trying to get this degree so you can be able to grind it out as an adult so it's like empathy goes a long way and and it's really something that like a lot of us have learned throughout experiences. And also I think 2022, uh, I mean, 2020 has taught us that, um, you know, mental health is a real thing. And it's something that like, we need to talk about more often um, because it goes hand in hand when it comes to like having that confidence and having enabling us to do better with our lives and giving us that willpower to do more. Man, well said. Amazing. We could have empathy. I, I, I didn't know that that was possible nowadays. I thought we were supposed to be just hardcore, you know, uh, you know, you know, banging on. Uh, but empathy does go a long way. And I think, uh, Brian, one thing you brought up that I, was, that I wanted to also make note of is that there's, there is no one engineer. So you got 
uh, you know, you got electrical engineering, mechanical engineering, civil engineering, uh, uh, computer science, computer engineering. Uh, man, I, I, I'm sure you all know know some of the other. What are some of the other ones? I'm I'm, I'm missing off off the top. So all science is computer science because you can always make, um, you can always put the computer in almost any area. So you've got things like data science, medical, uh, medical science, biology, chemistry, kinesiology. Uh, now you're physics. not just saying that because you build computers, right? That's that. Mm -mm. <laughs> I'm saying that because that's that's for real. That's for real thing. Um, I mean, you can. Do Ken's not buying it. Ken's saying, yeah, he's saying that because he's a computer dude. <laughs> yeah, you you can look, man. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, and you can oh, use the computer went, to get he you didn't went Philippians four thirteen on us. <laughs> so, I'm just saying. The church, look at him. But um, I wanted to make sure that I chimed in on that that question you you asked earlier about what guidance will we give to those teachers? And yeah, yeah, please do, please do chime right one, on in. One thing I would say is share your nuggets and not your poison. So let me unpack that a little bit. Um, um, I have read about and seen cases where people would say, you know, this, this teacher, when they were going through grad school, they were thrown in a situation where it was sink or swim. And sometimes now in some cases, in some professional environments, it's like that, I, I get it. But there's a difference between teaching people how to survive and repeating your trauma. If, if people have, have experienced a poisoned environment and they pass the poison to the students and then they say, well, you didn't survive the poison, I survived, so you ain't really nothing. That's not helpful because the thing about it is this, like, so when you're going through something and so, so, so I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example of what it looks like. So let's say that we have a first generation student, right? So imagine yourself on the football field and everything. You got the, the guy who they just did tryouts. He looks like he's going to be the best quarterback. He's going to come in and he says, hey, I'm really thinking about this engineering thing. You know he's first generation. You know he's never seen a college student before in his family. These, this is like, this is new. He seems to be doing pretty good. It's kind of early and everything. And it's like the thought is, hmm, can you cultivate this? Now, it's really easy to let internal biases get in the way, but the thought would be, okay, as a teacher, if I am your teacher, it is my job to give you everything you need to succeed. Now, I'm not going to do your job for you. You have to bring it. If you're going to succeed, you have to bring it. But what can I do to help you? So in addition to empathy, add some thoughtfulness to the strategy where you think about, okay, what would help this student? Like for me, um, when I was dealing, when I was working as a graduate student, um, I had times where I had like 150 students in my class at a time. Some of them were online students, some of them were working professionals, some of them were, were a little bit of everything. And it's like the thing I had to look at is, okay, how academically mature are my students? Meaning, do they know how they learn? Do they know how they understand? Because if I'm going to successfully communicate this material to them, I need to be ready to, to help them. Am I in a spot? This is a teacher's thought. This is, this is the guys we're giving to teachers now. Am I, am I in a position where I can successfully communicate this to the student? Why would I yell the lesson to students that I know cannot hear because they're deaf? Why would I speak this whole lesson in Korean knowing that nobody in the room can read Korean? What are the needs of this student and how can I help? If I see that this is a student who does not have a, they, they don't seem to have an example, they don't seem to have any guidance, who can I point them to? Can I find two or three good references, uh, a, an exceptional student or somebody? Then once you find them, you know, find, find, find an executive, find somebody who you could use to inspire them. And then you say, look over there, see this student? That student, they really know what they're doing. They're really strong in this area. So if you start struggling with, with like the math or the science, talk to this person. Do you see this professional right here? That could be you. 
you but you could do better than them you you can go you're not competing with them you're you're there to complete not to compete so you go in that environment and you add the value that you're in, but you know that you can go higher than this. Don't believe the falsehood that says the sky is the limit. We can go on the other side of Charon. So because we can go on the other side of Charon, beyond the skies, beyond Venus, beyond Mars, beyond, we can go way beyond, you know? The, the, you have to see it. You have to see it in your mind and you can go for it. So as the teacher, what I would say is, first of all, cultivate academic maturity in the student, where the student has to learn it's not going to be given to them. It's not just going to be handed to them, okay? They, they need to know they can get up and they can go forward. Second, recognize that not everybody is going to be a good engineer. But it's not a matter of whether you're good in math or not. You can get good in math. It's do they have an inner unction that pushes them to thrive in engineering? Or could there be something in engineering to spur this inner unction? You'd be surprised. One of the most impactful, most significant, most valuable engineering classes I've ever taken in my life was not taught by engineering. It was a philosophy class. It was a soft science. If I hadn't taken that philosophy class, I would not understand Boolean logic, one of the fundamentals of C++, Java, Python, Ruby, all of these programming languages. I, I understood, like when, when we go into the whole ad hominems and types of arguments, introduction to logic, like that stuff made sense but it wasn't taught by engineering. So then you stop and think. So you'd be surprised at the kind of things. So stop and think. It's like, hmm, at, you know, see where the student is and see what can help them. Does this student have an aptitude for numbers? Does the student have an aptitude for shapes? Is this student artistically inclined? Hmm. And here's one of the places where telling somebody not to play football or not to play any particular sport might be beneficial. Okay, it's one of the very few, okay, so bear with me. If this student uses their hands, legs, or, or other appendages for an artistic function, like an organ player, because some organs, I believe you have a foot component, you know, like the foot pedal, you got the hands on the keys and the foot pedal, there is a relationship between music and mathematics, which means if your music goes down, if you're musically inclined and your music goes down, your math might also decline. Well, if you play this sport and, we, and you hurt your hand, now you can't play your instrument. And, and not only could you not play your instrument, that might actually cause you to falter academically and other places too. But it's more important to get the student to see Ah, do you have these dependencies? So what, so first of all, get the student to recognize what do they need? Try to, you know, feel where they feel, get them to see what they need. And then try to find some inspiring examples and some references to point them to so that they know there is help. There is an example. There is hope. They can actually do this. They can do it and be well. But here's probably one of the most important things. Make sure they're going in it for the right reason. Don't go into engineering to make a lot of money. Money ain't everything. Money comes and money goes. You can make millions and millions of dollars and be broke the next day. So don't even Get, listen to what I said our number of the day. Don't even so, listen to listen. that. Do not think about the, uh, the 89,421. Don't start spending that right now before you've taken you know, your, your, your first uh, theories class or your first materials class. Don't, don't start spending that yet. Mm -hmm. Let's get through calculus and, and trig and, uh, and some of those first before you start spending some of that money. Yes, uh, it's the hard homework. But definitely about what you know, what you're passionate about. I always start that with students and let them know that whatever they're passionate about, there's engineering in it. So if you're in the, this is why we're starting a gaming initiative. So if you're in the video games, hey, you can do some some engineering when it comes to video games. If mm -hmm. you're in the if you're in the music, a lot of you know kids want to start an album, want to cut an album, and want to come with me in the studio. Let's cut an album. Like hey, you know half the time the cat that gets paid the most money is the audio engineer. 
That's the cat that's always in the studio. You you can you, you can have whoever you no no matter what Drake is doing, there's an engineer in the studio. You know, mm-hmm. no matter what the baby is doing, there's an engineer in the studio. So uh, you know, I, I I I try to make sure that folks see that there's so much of their life is impacted by engineering, and there's not one way to go about doing it. That's right. Uh, hold on just one moment. Let me get a quick sponsor, our last sponsor read. Um, again, today's in the number broadcast. Uh, podcast is brought to you by the East Metro Steam Partnership. East Metro Steam Partnership is looking for dedicated uh, professionals in the community who would like to help serve on part of the leadership team or as part of one of the action teams to help provide students and families with equitable access to STEAM and STEM learning and opportunities and to help engage stakeholders, industries, and underrepresented communities in STEM in East Monoma County. For more information, go to our website, eastmetrosteam.org. That is eastmetrosteam.org. Now, thank you. know We are, we are cruising. We, we're, we actually might get Kent out on time here a little bit. Uh, we have a few minutes left. I want to make sure to talk about what cool things Nesby is going on. And then Kent's going to tell us uh, about the new McLaren he's about to buy. He decided, I think, between the McLaren, the Tesla, and the uh, and the and the, and the Porsche. Are, are, are we going that route? Are we are we going to Cullinan? Are we going Bentley? What are we what are we going yeah. with? <laughs> so I have a A7, the Audi A7. It's an older one, yeah. a 2014. I'm actually thinking about selling it because the market right now, um, trade-ins and selling a used car is really high. And since I work from home. Um, my wife and I are considering not even having a car right now. Just no car. Okay. And stack that money. So so it. Bentley it is. You don't <laughs> want us to know about what it is you get. And I get it. You don't want to stun on nobody. You don't, you know, you're not you're not gonna floss on anybody. I, I, I'm gonna have a it. I'm gonna have a personal chauffeur called my Lyft driver. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna just there, walk there across the street to the grocery store. <laughs> there you go. And then and then Brian, you know, just spent his Bentley on the on the PhD, so uh, are is Intel paying for that? Is that man? I got a Mazda, and I I, <laughs> I even I didn't even go try to stunt and act like I got this. Because let me tell you, I got to do other things with this money. You know, we talked a little earlier about debt, right? You, let me tell you how much my student loan debt was when I graduated: two thousand seven hundred and thirty-four dollars and fourteen cents. Okay, and you're going to tell us that Nesby gave you all the scholarships. And I'm trying to figure out how you came out with $2,000 in, in, in debt. So what I'm trying to figure out. So watch this. All right. So um, one of the most important things to remember is you have, so how do I say this? Sometimes your battle scars are your greatest treasures. So here's what I mean by that. Well, I'm Black. I'm male. I came from a low-income household at the time, and I was first generation. Hmm. Black, male, low-income, first generation, interested in STEM. That's five gateways for money. Those were some of the minimum criteria for this program called the Emerald Eagle Scholars Program at University of North Texas. Different universities have different programs like that. Where they give you a they they give you extra tutoring they give you some some you know different scholarships different things available. Well, at the time when I had came in, this was essentially a full ride, but it was a rigorous full ride. The full ride required me to do fifteen credit hours, so that's five engineering classes, and I had to work a job. Thank God for that. It was hard, but it taught me some discipline. The only reason I had a loan was because I was also part of the, um, what do they call it? The TRIO Student Support Services Early Start Program, where essentially there were representatives from the university. You know how they had them, like them college fairs at the high school? So they came and they started scouting us. And so one of them, they scouted me and a couple of other students and they said, we're gonna start you early. So I graduated May of 2007 and I started college in July of 2007. I started a whole month early during summer too, before all the other students came in to get a feel for, hmm, this is what college life is, this is what's going on. 
well, I had to take out a loan for that first class because the full ride hadn't started yet. So one of the things that, um, so one of the things that I'm working through NSBE to do, as well as through a beautiful program called mentorship to do, is to help make it possible for students to know about the different scholarship opportunities available to them. I found out through some of the coordination we did with United Negro College Fund, um, there's over $2 million available for people to go to school. And the money is sitting here waiting on you, but you gotta apply. And, and the thing that you look at, it's like, okay, NAACP got some money, United Negro College Fund got some money, NSBE got some money, Intel got some money, Microsoft got some money, Google got some money, Amazon got some money, everybody got some money. But the thing is, how do you get that to the student? And then a lot of times people aren't, you know, closed mouths don't get fed. So people aren't putting out the information that needs to be done to get out there and get it. So, so here's what I had to do. And here's the advice that I would give to folks. Pay close attention. So number one, when you are applying, when you're looking at your school, and no, let, let's even start before that. When you are a sophomore in high school, that is the absolute latest you should be starting with this. Start thinking about what you might want to do. Start thinking about engineering, your sciences. If, or even if you're trying to do something else, think about what you want to do. Because there's scholarships available as early as sophomore time in high school, sometimes even earlier. Most of the money goes to the high school seniors. But by that time, you're kind of late. And the reason why I say that is this. You want to get private funding. What that means is this. That means, well, let me say that correctly. When you get your funding, there's, there's three categories of funding you can get and three big examples. One is you get the money and you're able to pay whatever you need to pay. So the money goes straight to you. Two, the money goes to the school, but it's still going to go to you for whatever you need. Three is the money is fixed for a specific thing. So what's that mean? Tuition only, books only, room only. So watch out for that. What you want, I mean, get, get the money. The money's good, but the best money to get is the kind that they give to you. Why? Because after tuition and fees and stuff are paid, that's money that you can get. And that's money that can be deposited into your pocket. But please don't get up and spend that money on everything. You need to save it and invest in your future. It's also important to start early because your school might be more expensive. Like the, at the time when I was doing my undergrad, $15,000 would cover me for one semester. But for some schools, it's $60,000, $70,000. That's a whole year's salary for some people. And, and it's like, okay, if you know that you need that much money starting out, you need to start early. All of the divine nine, all of the, the black Greek fraternities and sororities, and not just the black ones, but those are the ones I'm gonna call out at the moment. Like for example, uh, Kappa Alpha Psi, Zeta Phi Beta, the Delta Sigma Theta, Sigma Gamma Rho. Um, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm gonna stop here because I don't wanna mess up nobody's name. But the reason for it is I know each of these organizations has their own scholarship initiative. Each of these organizations have it as a pillar that that is what they're about. And they usually have mentorship opportunities and scholarship things. So stop and think about it. And not all of them require you to pledge to get the money either. So, so if you stop and you think about it, okay, so wait a minute. I know I want to do data science, right? Well, if I want to do data science, I want to go to the school to, that does data science, and it's going to cost me $120,000 a year, including tuition, fees, room and board. Yes, you have to do your homework. Um, all, of, all of that stuff, it's going to cost me $120,000. Well, if I can get $5,000 from this organization, the I can get the Gates Millennium Scholarship, the Northrop Grumman Scholarship, I can get um, the $15,000 scholarship from GE, then I can turn around and get the Delta Sigma Theta Scholarship, the Phi Beta Sigma Scholarship, the Omega Sci-Fi Scholarship, then I can turn around and get the Pell Grant, and then I can turn around and get the SMART grant, then I can turn around and get the grant from my state. So that's nine scholarships and grants, and you don't have to pay those back. And once those things start stacking up, then you'll be able to cover yourself and you won't need a loan. 
And soon you'll be, and even if you get a loan, there'll be enough money at the end that you don't owe nobody, you didn't break no laws, so nobody's coming back looking for you. You can pay that stuff off. And if you give yourself enough time, you can actually make sure that stuff gets paid and wiped out. So there is hope. There's a lot of hope there. I'm, 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 I'm excited because now uh, Brian's going to pay for some of my schools. So I'm working on my PhD also, and I, and I need a couple of dollars. So I'm going to need him to uh, uh, give, me, give me some of that money that he got left over. Thank and, you. And, and young people, we got to get out of this philophobia. Hmm. Fill out the applications. Like, like let's, let's stop. Oh, I don't know. Fill it out. You don't know who, who might be giving you some money. So, hmm. so fill this stuff out. Can't you have something you want to drop in there? I was just about to say, I wish there was a grant to uh, pay off my student loans. <laughs> Man, I say that all the time. I say, hey, anytime you want to donate to the Jarvis Hall Student Loan Foundation, uh, it is available. And just like I tell everybody, if you ever hear about me going to jail, as if they cut off this, uh, this public service student loan forgiveness, they cut this off. You might hear about me in jail. Like, I was talking to Jarvis the other day. How do you end up in jail? Because they could they cut the funding to the to the student loan forgiveness. And, and and if they do that, you might hear about me in jail. So forgive me already. So, uh, Jarvis, you were talking about you getting your PhD. Now a minute ago I thought you was playing, but I got news for you. If you really need some funding, holler at your boy because I do know where some money's at. Oh uh, well let me know. No, I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm right now I am working on my uh PhD in leadership studies at Gonzaga University. Okay. Oh, nice. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll be in touch. Uh, <laughs> uh, reach out and touch somebody's hand. I got no problem asking for some money. Uh, but uh, we're getting close. I told you all the hour goes by real quick. I told you. And so uh, I want to make sure for the folks uh, who, are, who are watching this on, on video, uh, make sure you hang out at the, at the Nesby website. So it's uh, nsbepropdx.org. So that's the, for the Portland chapter, it is, the, that is the website for the folks listening. Uh, for the folks viewing, you can see it right now on your screen. And you can see it's a very cool website. You see, they still keep the, the purple motif here. You know, there's obviously there's a cue in, 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 in one of their things to have all this purple going on, but, uh, there's some really cool things here. You see a, a nice picture of Brian uh, here. He got his, that, that's his professional photo. And then if you scroll a little bit further down, you'll get Kent's picture. He had to be cool and have his all in, in black and white and everything. So, uh, you know, he had to work it that way. But there's some really that. cool things there. Uh, they have, you know, Kent's around professional development. There's pre-college programs. There's some really cool things. Uh, some ways for folks to get involved. Uh, they have a job board with, with stuff. You can sponsor, they have events, uh, some really cool things. Feel free to, to just go right to this website and see all the really cool things that are going on with Nesby. And don't let anybody tell you there's not black engineers out here in the Portland metro area. And they, 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 there's plenty of, plenty of them out here. I'm not one of them, but I know them. So that's, that's why we went out to to get them on. Any, any last words? I know Ken has to get to the, the dealership. What, was Tesla now what, what we're moving towards? Or? <laughs> my two feet. Moving towards my two feet. <laughs> <laughs> but anything, um, you know, you want you want to you want to leave with the folks or, or leave with the teachers or students or, or anybody, you know, or, or, or can, can, can teachers contact Nesby and have some folks, you know, come and talk to their class or, or anything like that or Oh yeah, definitely. Um, we can always, we always are open to people coming out to Nesby to do talks. Um, so if you're like a working professional and a public speaker and you're interested in doing a talk about anything, you can reach out to us. Um, but one thing I wanted to talk about or just give advice about was about uh, living in a moment. Um, so during work uh, and working from home, uh, one thing I struggled with was like my mental state of mind and not being able to focus on things when I'm trying to do something. And the perfect example I have is from a parallel conversation with our athletes. Some of the best athletes, their 
they're always in the moment, they're always focused on what they're doing and they always work hard on their craft, no matter what, like LeBron James, for instance. And people, when they're actually going through some type of mental crisis or some type of a health issue or something that's messing them up, for instance, Ben Simmons, like they're just, they, they start, you know, falling off, they start struggling, they start, their, their, their game is off. I mean, you saw that with Ben Simmons in the playoffs. And that is exactly the same thing that you can apply to professionally and in the college that you're in is about like how important it is for you to be able to focus when you're trying to achieve something and getting out those distractions in life is very important for you to be able to be focused um, and just live in a moment when you're, when you're, when you have set, when you set your intentions up, you're, you're bound to be successful. So that's something I've learned um, working professionally and also throughout my college time that um, being positive and living in a moment is key to being, to being successful. Thank you. That's profound. So live in the moment. We got empathy from Brian Brian, is there something you want to leave with the people? I do. I want to get take y'all back and get y'all just a little quick flashback. So remember how we started off talking about video games? Video games was my gateway. I was one of my main gateways that led me into engineering, get to many developments and stuff. You'd be surprised. Um, but here's the interesting pivot. Um, so while I love video games, I I support video games, I play video games, trying to build a video games. Video games actually opened the door to music for me. And I've been composing music for about 15 years now. Um, but, but one of the things that was very interesting was this one um, conversation I had with my mom. Like I said, I've, I was blessed to have parents who were really, really involved in my development. But, um, you know, I was playing Castlevania and Symphony of the Night, and she saw some of the gorier scenes, some of the monster scenes. And, you know, she was ready to, like, you know, snatch up the game, break it, pawn it, do something else with it because she didn't like it. And she said, Brian, tell me right now something that you learned in that game or else I'm getting rid of it. I said, for what profit is it to a man to gain his own, to gain the whole world and lose his only soul? Matthew 16, 26. I'm like, what? That... This game got a bunch of monsters in it. That was Dracula's last words when Alucard was about to kill him. I learned something. It counts. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the thing that I look at is um, when you're thinking about the different gateways to your success, leave nothing out. You'd be surprised. Some of the smallest, simplest things could be the things that lead to your breakthrough. For me, it was video games. For you, it might be pottery. It might be archery. It might be basketball. It might be some, some other things. Sometimes it's that, that what you do to take your mind off of your mess that you can be mindful of who you are and where you're at. Sometimes that's the gateway that you need to make your breakthrough. Um, and so what you have to look at is make sure you find that space. Um, you might need to take a moment to find a lake. You might need to take a moment to find a tree. You might need to, you know, get rained on for a few minutes. I, I, we out here in Portland where it rains all the time. Y'all be surprised. I'm so happy to see the rain because I came back from a spot where we had snow right about this time of year and it was cold. I would take a rainy day over snow any day, but that's me. <laughs> And the thing that I look at is you use, you use the mean green. The snow's out there. Well, the, but yes, but I'm also at, um, at Iowa State. It really Ooh. snows uh, at Iowa. Now. So, but the, the reason why I wanted to bring that out was that it's it, especially when you're in the midst, like at, at work, you know, that real, real grind period where all the exams are happening at the same time, or all the bills are due and the money ain't here yet, and you just at that stress moment. Can I really do this? Can I really do this? Ugh, how do I get over this? Find your space. Take a moment, walk away. You know, um, take a moment, get a deep breath. Take a moment, get in that moment. Don't lose that thing that made you happy. Get on that piano, get on that Stradivarius, get on that cello, get on, get, get, get on that court, start hooping. Cause you've got to unwind. You've got to let that stuff go. And what you'll find 
is sometimes you'll unwind and you'll be like, so wait a minute. When I hit Dracula in the foot, it don't hurt. But if I hit him in the head, it'll get him. So that's how that derivative works. Don't ask me how it made sense to everybody else, but it clicked. And you got to get to that part where it clicked for you. Oh, so if I, if I do this angle right here, I'm always going to miss it. But if I do this angle right here, that, that ball made that trajectory. Oh, that's what that physics professor was talking about. Oh, so if I was shooting hoops on the moon, I would need to shoot like this. Or if I was shooting hoops here on Earth, I would need to do it like this. Get where you need to be. As y'all can see, I'm long with it. So I'm going to get to the point real quick. Get to where you need to be in your mind so that you can actually find the solution to your problem. Don't let the stress take you out because that's what it will do. We need you for a little bit longer. So if you need to sleep, sleep. When you need to eat, eat good. Get up and work out. Get up and breathe. Drink some water. Water, not that, not that other stuff. Water, you know, water, not with the sugar in it. Water. And so when you actually get that water and you actually get that stuff good, you can get to the moment to where that stress fades off of you. And then the information that you were taught, the stuff that you studied, will start to come back. There we go. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to Brian's church because he probably wasn't the pastor that said I'm about to close about 16 times. I know that trick. <laughs> but uh, I want to thank both of you. Let's give a big round of applause for soon to be Dr. Brian Hall and Kent Martellian, who I think, are, Kent, going back for a PhD? Are we, are we, are we going back? Are we? That happen? Nah, nah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually might be moving into like more entrepreneur side, but well, come hey, hey, now you hanging out with me? I, you know, I'm, a, I'm the business guy, so I like entrepreneurs. So okay, uh, we all, we all appreciate that. Make sure you check out Nesby. Don't ever tell anybody there's not black engineers around in the Portland area. We out here. Uh, like I said, I'm not one, but I know, so that 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 works out for me. Thank you both for being here. Uh, thank you both, even though we're not supposed to talk about our number of the day, that was 89,421, the average salary for engineer. We're not going to talk about it, uh, but th that was the number for the day. And we want to thank uh, the National Society of Black Engineers, Portland Professionals Chapter, for being with us today. And thank all of you. And remember to make sure to stay in the number.